Shut up and sit down. Right, welcome back to another episode of the Limited Upside Podcast. Uh, Mike, we have a special guest today, one of your old friends. We'll let you introduce him. You know his, uh, his body of work better than I do, but I'm really enjoying yes. the, the pre-conversation to this podcast with some of the best pre-conversation to podcast I think we've ever had. So go ahead, Mike. Yes, absolutely. We're, we're proud to be joined by talent for voice at Yard Barker for video talent, the editor-in-chief of the Sports Fan Journal, uh, one-time SB Nation contributor, and probably the only Thunder fan living in the Bay Area that I know. Welcome. I'm really happy to have Eddie Mason at joining us on the Limited Upside podcast. What's going on? Mike, Ben, I'm doing well. I am defiantly wearing a Oklahoma City Thunder Mitchell and Ness uh, snapback uh, here in San Francisco today. And uh, I've been wearing the same hat for two days now. And people have come up and walked up to me, put fingers to my neck, check my pulse, see if I was alive. Um, it's well, really been... Are a you? crazy experience. I, I am alive. I think I'm probably <laughs> a, a zombie right now, but uh, I'm good. And and the Kevin Durant era in Oakland, I wish him nothing but the best. And uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be wild to see him here in Oakland, man. I like that we established that right off the bat that you wish him nothing but the best. There's no ill will here. You fall on the side of the the majority of the fans, the majority of the Oklahoma City fans. You say were like yourself, right? Appreciative. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm from I'm from Oklahoma, man. People know Oklahoma for uh, our our college football team and the song that was sung in the '50s, uh, the Oklahoma song. Like, other than that, people don't know too much about Oklahoma. And you know, KD gave us a reason to be, you know, proud. You know, you thump your chest and and, and wear a thunder cap with pride. You know, and and, and people gravitate. To being Thunder fans and know, and starting to learn about the state for more than just the basketball team, and um, you know, to sit here and be mad and upset, and, you know, I mean, it's okay. I am sad. I am frustrated. I am disappointed. Um, those things are very, very, very true and and, and dear to, to me. Uh, but at the same time, like you know, people will be like, "Oh, well, it'll be okay." Look. You, you can't serve me water when I need tequila. I will take my tequila, I will drown my sorrows, and then we'll be all right. Are you, is there still no not a part of you that is a little upset that it's not just that he left Oklahoma City, but he left for the team that you had a 3-1 lead on in the Western Conference Finals and couldn't seal the deal? You know, I don't know if I would call them like amazing rivals. They only played once in the playoffs, but potentially your biggest competitor. I mean, how... Some people are saying that that's the thing that really bugs them more than anything. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it it definitely feels like a bit of a gut punch, and I think a lot of people in the Bay Area. You, we had this conversation before uh, we got on officially on the air. You know, Warriors fans looked at the Thunder and aspired to be the Thunder four years ago when I moved here, and Jackson took over, and they were starting to rise, and then Kerr took it to another level. But I think the Warriors fan, Warriors fans always thought, man, it's going to maybe be us and them at some point clashing in the playoffs, and it took three, it took another three to four years for it to happen um, because of injuries and whatnot, um, and then we got it. And we got one of the greatest conference finals series, uh, literally, of all time. And mm-hmm. now we're sitting here like that seems like uh, we might get it in a 1-8 series next year. Like, that sucks. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I mean, speaking as a non-fan of either of these teams, there is a part of me that is a little upset just because we don't get that series again. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, Absolutely. And that that is unfortunate. And also, you know, what was so compelling about those teams is that they were just they played very different styles. They're built in very different ways. Although I guess they both both built through the draft, and it was such a great clash of styles. And I wonder how much of the frustration about Durant leaving is simply just a, us being deprived of that matchup again. Yeah, I think that's for me at least. That's that's a huge part of this. Like the high of of the series, the seven game series, one of the greatest of all time. Like Eddie mentioned, to that's never going to happen again because <laughs> because the guy who had a really bad game in game six, but ultimately was still one of the three best players in the series, and Kevin Durant is now going over to. To the other team, it's the 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 amount of of uh, value that's shifting, if you will, here is almost unprecedented from two teams who played in the Western Conference Finals or any Conference Finals to to then ever really imagine that happening. Especially with the Spurs, obviously we don't have to mention them too much. They're still going to be there. The West is still solid, so it's like the slide for Oklahoma City goes from contender at the top to you know five, six, seven range or whatever it may be. There's a few younger teams who might be better. So I feel like that really makes you feel like. From a basketball standpoint, I am kind of a Thunder fan. I mean, I'll be totally honest here. They were the team who I picked up while the Sixers spent five years doing nothing. And I really <laughs> wanted to watch basketball, so that was fun. Um, but, uh, you know, and, uh, and I really love Russ, but uh, I feel like that, uh, never getting to see those two climb the mountain and get to the top is, is sad. They're like, they're like dudes who went hiking on Everest and they've never summited, and then one of them dies. Uh, but not <laughs> wow, <laughs> not, that's really dark. Jeez. It was an Everest, an Everest reference, or maybe it gets uh, like a irrevocable uh, frostbite on one foot. Oh, well, that's so much better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Eddie, what, what do you think, Eddie? Is that how you would feel as well, though? Is that part of what stings? Is the fact that you just the emotion you put into those two guys specifically and wanted to see it actually finally work? Yeah, I think uh, OKC fans have always believed that. They just needed time. And, you know, you think about 2012 NBA Finals, you had Ibaka and Harden and Durant and Westbrook, and you're like, this, okay, they, you know, we, they're, they're, that's the interesting thing about the Warriors and OKC. I think we've always seen championship teams or teams emerge. They have to take their lumps. And it felt like OKC, you know, they, they, they beat the Lakers in 2010. They got pretty far. They lost to Dallas in 2011. You know, 2012, they lost in the Finals. Everybody kind of felt like they're on the verge. They're taking their lumps and they're they're doing it. And then 2013 was an injury. 2014 was an injury. 2015 was an injury. And then 2016, you know, they had everything back in lock and step, and they looked like okay when when they took it three one. Like man, maybe this is what it was supposed to be. This is the this is them back at full strength, and they've got the team ready to go. Okay, fine. They lost to Golden State at seven. But that should tell you, like, if those guys can be healthy, this can absolutely work. And now he goes to Golden State, and Golden State, they never actually had to take those lumps that we're, we're used to hearing about. We always talk about, you know, the Pistons had to had to beat the Lakers, you know, after beating the Celtics. They had to go through the wars. The Bulls had to go through the wars. You know, everybody kind of – Miami has to go through the wars. Teams have to go through those wars and, and big, build up that thick skin so that they can make it all the way through. And Golden State never had to do that. Now, Then they never had to do it. Then they win 73 games. Now they just added – KD and now they got four of the what 12 15 best players yeah. in the league it's like it's like gentrification on steroids and I think <laughs> it, it's, 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 it, it is man and it's funny that KD's coming here 
And, you know, you think about what's here in the Bay Area. You think about Silicon Valley. You think about gentrification on steroids. You think about... just about to make this point. (laughs) Yes. And and, and it really feels like this is everything coming together in a way that almost feels unfair. It's like the rich... It's not even just the rich getting richer. It's like the rich... Like, you know, they make the joke about Uber. They just got a $2 billion loan because they want to keep investing in China. Like, first off, who do you call to get a $2 billion loan? Like, who (laughs) gives that loan? That's crazy. Mike's got a guy. Mike's got a guy. The guy is me. (laughs) Yes. Podcasting. And that's what what feels like the gut punch. It's like, man, he went to that team, to this area. And and I can't even knock it because I live here. And I've had to grow personally, growing from Oklahoma, did some time in Ohio. Let me rephrase. That sounds like I went to jail. I worked in Ohio for six years. Upstate Ohio? Yeah, you know, not a state, you know, Cincinnati, but, you know, then I matriculated across to the Bay, and I've had some of the best times of my life here, and, you know, so I can't ever begrudge them for that, but, man, it just, it feels like, you know, Google and Twitter merging or something. It's, it's, It's crazy. Yeah, see, this is what I find so interesting, because there's two parallel thoughts at play here. One is that he talked about how he wants to grow as a person, I believe, in his Players' Tribune letter, and on a human level, I mean... A lot of people can relate to that uh, just because a lot of people move away from their homes, especially in the small market. Uh, in a way, LeBron did that, uh, although not in so many words. But And you were saying you, you did it. On the other hand, this is these are athletes playing basketball in a sport that we all care about. And now it does feel a little weirdly stacked. And I don't want to say unfair, but it's like this – We again, we were robbed of the rival to a Golden State. And there's something about that Warriors team that feels inorganic, even though they were grown so much by the draft, through the draft. You're right, they didn't really have the struggle. Even though they talked themselves up as underdogs and everybody hated them, it felt like more like a motivational rallying cry than real life. It felt manufactured. And now they have Kevin Durant. I'll pose the very big question that I think is worth examining that a lot of people will assume we're coming at it from one side or the other. Is this good for the game? And what do we think about that? I think it's an interesting question to answer. Yeah. uh, Yeah. On one hand, it's absolutely good for the game. I mean, we've seen the effect of, you know, the the conversation of super teams has always been a hilarious thing in the NBA. We've been seeing super teams form since the 50s and 60s with the Lakers and the Celtics. Um, But we also realize that super teams are going to drive ratings and they're going to make a lot of money for every team in the NBA because that's exactly how revenue sharing works. And, you know, when when Golden State rolls into Memphis, that ticket is going to be sold out. And when they go to Utah and everywhere else, they're going to be must-see TV. Um, and, And to be fair, like when we saw Miami rise and form their big three, San Antonio emerged and figured out a way to stifle Miami, and they evolved in a way that you know made them formidable, and they ultimately beat them. And I do believe that what's what we've seen in the last two years. Yes, Golden State did win seventy three games, and they added Kevin Durant, but their current style of play a isn't new. Uh, shout out to uh, uh, Free Darko for writing an epic piece mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. The Warriors are not reinventing basketball. Um, they're just doing it in a way that's better than anything we've seen. Um, but watching Cle- watching Cleveland and, Go- and Oklahoma City defend the Warriors, uh, people know the blueprint. And the, long- the longer 
the longer uh, Golden State is on top, people are going to evolve to try to match them. They're going to continue to find more athletic guys. People, They think everybody was bullying them and switching on everything that they do now. They're about to get 82 games of that. I don't care that they do have KD. Of course, KD is, not stop, is unstoppable. Um, but, you know, watch out when Minnesota, uh, Milwaukee comes into town and the starting lineup average height is 6'11". Um, yeah. you, know, you know, and, like, I'm not saying that they're going to be able to beat them, but, you know, the league is going to trend to what Golden State is. So um, it's going to be fun to see people learn how to be competitive against them. But on the other hand, if we don't have – if people don't feel like there's competition for Golden State and they just eviscerate the league in a way that feels like when yeah. you play NBA 2K and you don't have the setting on high enough and your creative player goes for 45 a game, like even you who it's plays the fun. game get for playing that. And uh, that's gonna be that's gonna be a challenge. Well, for one, I think you're right. The Kevin Durant's sort of an antidote to some of these strategies that teams have come up with. Uh, but you're also, you know, the other thing that makes this fun in a way is that everybody's kind of got a common enemy now. You know, it, it's sort of yep. like this little band that can who can take yeah. down the Warriors. And there's something kind of compelling about that. Whereas. You know, maybe if power is spread a little more evenly, you don't have that. So, well, and I think it's a good thing they get to play the playoffs one by one. It's you know that's that's the thing that they could they could maybe cru- not cruise by any means. They it's not going to be easy to beat the Spurs in the regular season by any means for number one overall seed, which will be important. Should they have an injury or two? I don't know. Maybe maybe there's so much momentum in exactly what you guys are talking about that everybody is now a rival of them thing. Um, that they have this like uh, they're ruining basketball, so we need to take them down. Like kind of, they can be a heel without having anybody on their team other than Draymond, who's really a, a heel of a player. I mean, I think one of the well, things maybe Durant now. I guess I was going to say. I think one of the funny things about this is I don't, you know, Durant's such a been such a private guy, and, and Oklahoma City I think provides that level of of privacy that he he probably enjoyed, and is going to find that is a little bit different in in a much larger media market and for a team that's now going to be under an incredible microscope. Um, and let's be honest, they, they were a show this year for just 73 wins. You could argue there is more anticipation for game one of next season than there was for them winning game 73 of this past season. You know, this is some crazy stuff going on right now in the grand scheme of the entirety of basketball history. Like we mentioned earlier with the top four of maybe the 12, you could even argue not even 15 best players in the NBA. Um, the three best shooters, period, in the NBA. Like, that's a wild thing when you break it, the numbers down. Um, Draymond's going to have some crazy point forward numbers next year. You know, is going to be able to come in the game, not have to take a single shot unless he's wide open, and still have great, you know, great numbers uh, and, and really good, you know, per uh, minute stats and whatnot. And I want to get your guys' opinion real quick on on the little tertiary pieces um, that they've been adding. You like, do you think they're going to go for a? a Perkins to kind of add that dude who can come in and maybe nail a dude down if he comes after these guys to have him there to well, pick they, up. A, they a just signed these. David West. Oh, they did get West. I saw that. And, and yeah, that's Chile, kind of Chile what he's there per- for. I saw Perks, so an- another guy on this list of uh, bringing, but I guess they wouldn't have that need that that need anymore. David West, man, I hope he gets a title, huh? I mean, the, the <laughs> center position is a little bit of a weakness. Now they are so good one through four, and their small lineup that. Uh, it may not be a huge problem. Still have Livingston. You know, that's another crazy part about this. They still got to re-sign him. Yeah, but they. I wonder, you know, offensive rebounding was an issue for them in the playoffs against Oklahoma City. Is there a team out there that 
maybe we'll be able to keep up with them on the perimeter and still grab boards. I look at some what of the you, Utah. Yeah, I was going to say, what if Utah as, plays out of their mind? You know, as a team. And, you know, like Eddie was saying, there is sort of a nice, fun impetus to sort of build the blueprint to stop the giant that we don't get if there are a few giants. You know, everybody can sort of focus on, like, how do we beat this juggernaut? And like I said, it's sort of a fun little 29 teams versus one dynamic that makes – I think that's kind of interesting. So I lean that this is good for the game. I mean, does the competitive aspect, I think – is a little overblown because like like Eddie was saying, San Antonio in a small market, by the way, a very small market that supposedly the NBA is not supposed to be able to maintain, mm-hmm. have found the blueprint to beat the Heat. Uh, and, you know, is there an argument? Is there any? Do we all agree that this is good for basketball as a whole, even though it's short unfortunate term? for for Oklahoma City? I'd say short term, yes. Long term, potentially no. Eddie, what do you think? I think. I think it's going to be good for the NBA if only because it will force, like Mike said, it will force the the league to continue to evolve at a more rapid rate. Um, And the team that I think that you didn't mention that I think will be interesting to see is Boston with the addition to Horford. Uh, Because, I mean, they've got so many guys that can just D you the hell up, especially with Bradley, especially with Marcus Smart, um, guys like that. They give Boston – Boston gives Golden State a lot of problems and adding Horford and who knows if Boston is done making moves. Um, but you know they're they're really interesting to watch and see how see what they're going to do against KD uh, and Golden State next year. One thing I wanted to actually state, and I'll ask you guys this: mm. if if I had to ask you who whose top two players are more fragile on this team, is Golden State's top two players more fragile than say the Clippers? Or, uh, I mean, I'm looking at Steph and KD, and I think one of the reasons why KD also wanted to get to Golden State is like he knows that his legs have been giving him problems a lot over the last couple of years. And, and Steph ain't the, the, the spryest chicken um, in the pen either. Like, he's got the ankle issues. Now he's got knee issue. He had a shoulder issue. And, like, I know these guys are in their prime. But, you know, we're still talking about KD being a seven-footer with foot problems. And For Steph sure. Curry, Steph Curry's ankle might be made out of uh, baby poop and fairy's wishes and and, and – <laughs> You know, pocket link. Like, we don't know how stable that's going to be long term. I think it's a good point. I think that's why – I mean, there are a lot of – there. you don't need a reason to pursue Kevin Durant. But I think I think that's one big upside to having Durant is the injury angle and insurance. You saw when Steph wasn't Steph, they didn't really have a counter last year, and now they do. Uh, no, it's an interesting point. It also is sort of a, a good – point to make against this idea of well it's inevitable now it's not inevitable no it's it's, it's not inevitable but it's definitely going to be an uphill battle for the rest of the league <laughs> it's not it's not such an even <laughs> playing field i would have said i think i said last podcast there were four teams that can win the title mike it's three now <laughs> I, I would say what what do you think the chances are that the warriors win the title next year i mean i think i'm curious what number you guys come up with like 70%. I think that number is too low. Uh, I think, I, look, the, the, the comparison that everybody's going to shop for this is Miami 2011 because they needed a year to gel. Uh, but I would counter that, you know, Miami had so many new players that they had to add 
and they had to figure out what type of ball they want to play. And look, Golden State's style of play isn't changing. And they've got a guy, they added a guy who somehow is not ball dominant without, it doesn't have to be ball dominant while also being the most lethal scorer of his generation. Like, that's insane. So, uh, you know, I, I think they have some issues with depth, but I'd actually even go so far to say they're actually accumulating some players like, you know, like Zaza and Wes, and, like, mm-hmm. maybe they're going to get Mario Chalmers and guys like that. Like, mm-hmm. their rotation as it, it probably isn't going to be that bad. And, uh, you know, they – I would take it at as high as 90, 90, 95%. Like, I know that seems like – maybe that sounds blasphemous, but <laughs> unless something catastrophic happens, like, I can't see them not winning next year. Mike, what do you think? I was going to say, like, 70. Yeah, I, I, I think the only seventy at at the least. Spurs and Cleveland uh, still could be very competitive and difficult series. Well, let let's see if Boston does something with like what if Boston got Jimmy Butler? Then it would be yeah, a little interesting. Or or I mean, we can talk about this a little yeah. later. What if Boston got Russell Westbrook? Uh, yeah, I don't know oh. if Russ is right for them though. I'm not sure Russ fits in with uh, Horford or I mean, I'm sure. What, what, what kind of package would you be talking? Mostly draft picks, or would Thomas have to go in that as well? Well, can't, if you can't if see you, Thomas and Westbrook playing together. If you if you offered Isaiah Thomas and the Brooklyn pick, I think Oklahoma City's got to take that deal. You know what we're talking one, about now? Just one, just one. He, yeah, right, gave, let's do it. Let's go talk ahead. about this now. So we were going to talk. We we're going to talk a little more about the Warriors, but I think we should talk about one. What does Oklahoma City do now? And two, like how do we think about this fran- this lost dynasty? Over the years, I mean, let's start now. Like, so obviously, the big question with them is that they have no Durant. They now still have Russell Westbrook. He is a free agent next year. Uh, they reportedly tried to ask him to negotiate an extension that would basically bump his salary up this year and then tack on a couple more because they have this spare cap space. And Westbrook's uh, a league source who I I don't know who it is. It sure sounds like Westbrook's agent. It could be anyone. Told David Aldridge there's no chance of that happening, which I think is sort of a sign that if Westbrook – financially it's a little bit worse for him to do that, but it's not significant. It sounds to me like Westbrook does not want to commit yet beyond next year, which is puts, I think, the Thunder in a massive dilemma where you have a – you already lost one superstar for nothing. Can you afford to lose two? And so, what if you're Eddie? If you're Sam Presti, what do you do now with Russell Westbrook? Yeah, it's the uh, unfortunate circumstance that you know, unless you know, that we. I was talking with uh, Darius Soriano uh, out here in the Bay Area. He also has the uh, uh, you know, he's a Lakers. He covers the Lakers for a true hoop. And, you know, he floated around a name or two. He said a guy like Rudy Gay could be interesting as a stopgap fill-in for for Oklahoma City at small forward. Um, You know, but, like, unless, you know, even somebody like him, like, I think it would all – we would be fooling ourselves to think that OKC would be a championship contender um, if you're going to even try to plug in Rudy Gay, right? So – uh, you know, we and with all due respect to uh, Mike and his Wizards fandom, like nobody wants to be the Wizards. Nobody wants to be the Hawks. No. Nobody wants. To be, <laughs> nobody wants to be Memphis. Like feeling like you're stuck in the middle. You don't want to be man. Oh, man. You want to be terrible, or you want to be <laughs> a chance to be great. And hey, preach, preaching to the choir, man. I, I that's like one of the things that can go on my tombstone someday. Not just the process, but the, the worst place in all of sports is the middle of the NBA. 
Yeah, and, and they're, staring, they're staring at the middle right now. And so yeah. that makes trading Westbrook a real viable thing. Um, and look, maybe if they keep him, maybe they could, you know, find out a way to get other pieces. Um, who knows? Um, I think that you were talking about Boston. I'll be honest. I, I think they have to go in there and say, we need Isaiah Thomas, we need Jalen Brown, and we need one of those draft picks, if not maybe both of the draft picks. Um, they, they have to go look at Los Angeles yeah. and say, can we get – yeah, you know they got to be audacious. They got to say, "Can we get uh, D'Angelo and Ingram? Like, can we get? Can we try to start KD and Russ 2.0 with those two guys?" I mean, who knows if they say yes, no. But if I'm OKC and I'm like, "Hey, look, here's Cantor and here's Russ." Now you now now the Lakers might look like an actual like contender. You know, maybe they feel like they can go in there and really be ready to go make a run at a, a title. I don't know if they that would actually be the case, but you know, you got to sell dreams out here in these streets. So you know, I think they have to go look and be as audacious as possible. And even if that means packaging some of those other players, I mean, at some point you might even have to consider trading Adams um, or, or or one of those guys. I'd hate to see Adams go, but because he's under rookie control. Yeah, but that's what they have to do. What yeah, about here, what about? Uh, here's the problem, though. If you're the Lakers, and you know that Russ, you know, want you you are in Russ's hometown, and he is a free agent next year. Why would you make the same mistake that the Knicks made with Carmelo Anthony and offer a lot big assets when you could just sign him next summer? I guess I mean they may have cap space issues now because. They gave Timothy Mozgov and Luol Deng a lot of money, but <laughs> the point still stands. I mean, and if you if you're Boston, why would you trade that much without knowing that you could secure him past this year? I mean, that's the dilemma. I think the Thunder really have. Yes, that's, that's smart stuff, Mike. Look at you being yeah, all pra- I, practical. I think there, there's something to be said about if they do trade him early, uh, and you all help me if I'm, help me if I'm wrong, but. Wouldn't they also then, then retain bird rights? Yeah. Um, so that they could they could then whoever you know tries to trade for them, you know, they probably could set up that window of time to be like, hey, look, let's get you this new contract now. We can now now we have the opportunity to pay you more than anybody else. And if Westbrook just says like I'm gonna um, you know, I'm going to wait it out, and he forces your hand, he says, I'm going to wait it out, then that's the reason why I think they have to try to trade. And, and if Westbrook, if, if people feel like Westbrook's that type of guy that they really want to commit to long term, then that's what you have to sell. That's what Presti and his team has to sell to whoever they're trading him to. Yeah, see, uh, hey, can I ask a question, challenge. guys? Go ahead. Can I ask you a question about how come Minnesota isn't a team who should be floating for Russ? Well, I mean, it's the same reason why you why you were saying last podcast why they shouldn't get Jimmy Butler. You know, they've you know, got to let their core grow organically. But again, I just feel like Russ is a better fit, though. Yeah, but that's the same problem if you're Minnesota. If you're Russell Westbrook, why would you stay? He's not there? going to Minnesota anyhow. So right. Yeah. So this yeah. is the this is the challenge. I mean, and look, I'm just going to say this now. New York looms as well as a possibility, just because you know Russ would love to be in the fashion capital of the world, and they're going to have cap space. How about Derrick Rose? Yes, as we were saying, <laughs> New York Rose, is. A- <laughs> he's sweeping. He's sweeping. Literally sweeping. <laughs> Can I just say? Can I just say, getting Minnesota, getting Russ in Minnesota would be the opportunity to get Russell Westbrook to dress like Prince, and <laughs> calling him Prince Junior could be like incredible. Um, <laughs> I know that's not going to happen, but it would be awesome if we could make it happen. You got a dream? Yeah, yeah yes. but no. But this is the dilemma that the Thunder have: is that I just 
they're going to have to accept the a lot less than you know because they have basically the following options: they can trade Russ to a place where they the other team can feel reasonably confident he can resign. You might be able to sort of squeeze something out of the Lakers, just kind of with the fear of he might go somewhere else. You know, you could do that with. You know, I don't know where else he might sign, but you could do that with somewhere else where he you could sort of say to him, okay, if you're not going to take this extension, where would you play? And then you could do that. You could also just deal him to one of these like kind of teams that has a lot of assets and doesn't care that they won't get the commitment. Like, you know, I wonder if Phoenix might do something or, you know, Denver even or one of these teams. But then, you know, they... Russ, Russ at altitude would kill people. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but God. like the, then... But then, like, that's sort of not necessarily doing right by him. And, you know, how much will these teams give up knowing it's a rental? Or, you know, you just have to keep him and hope for the best. And that risk runs the risk of losing him for nothing. I think it's they're in a really tough spot. I'm not sure what I would do if I were there. This is literally what risk analysis people are brought in to do, right? Doesn't someone in the organization have to weigh the the pluses and minuses of – of getting nothing for him or uh, or another organization weighing the same difference of, of risk analytics or whatever of uh, is it worth giving up pieces for him when we could try to sign him in the offseason. Right. So yeah. This is where it's going to be. I think you're right. The games are going to be far to the higher level here than yeah. what we're thinking about just dropping players on teams. Yeah. The other thing is, and well, this will deprive, if he gets traded, we'll lose the chance of seeing Lone Ranger Russ on the Thunder, <laughs> which I'm really looking forward to. Are you going to say something, man? Oh, well, I was just going to say, I was just thinking about, like, even when they started talking last year about maybe OKC should consider trading Durant. And I remember Golden State, I can't remember who proposed it, but, you know, there was a conversation. I remember the conversation being had, like, two years ago. Maybe they should consider trading Russ, I mean, KD, for Clay and Harrison uh, uh-huh. at that time. And, you know, like, that, that was, now you're like, man, if they could have got Clay and Harrison back, I mean, hey, that feels like a fair trade, number one. Um, number two, it still puts both teams in great position to, like, be really, really good, right? If you yeah. could imagine Russ and Clay and Harrison and Canner and, and Adams and, and, you know, having that type of team, and still you have KD and Draymond and Iguodala and Curry, like, that could be, that would be awesome. But, you know, that's that's not happening now. And you think about maybe with what what could happen with Russ under the same circumstance, you know, I, I just think that they're going to be able – if, if a, the team gets desperate enough, I mean, uh, it's, it's it, what's going to happen is I think teams are also going to start bidding against each other because they also realize, like, they might not have a chance any other time to ever get that star player. So, um, yeah. it's, this is about to be a fascinating uh, couple of months. And – can't wait for Team USA basketball so that mm-hmm. Kevin Draymond, Clay, and and can all be on the team while Harrison Barnes is, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, chilling in the corner, uh, literally and figuratively, <laughs> yeah. um, with, with ninety four million dollars. <laughs> yes, getting the same money as Kevin Durant. Crazy. Yeah. Can, can oh, you imagine yeah. if the the All Star voting comes in and it's it's the four Warriors and then Russ as the fifth starter? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine that? That would be great. Yeah, I mean, the the last thing we should say about about the Russ angle is that there's another angle to think about, which is the Oklahoma City fans already having lost KD, now having lost Russ in the same year. Do you owe it to your fans to at least play the season out and give them some enjoyment of seeing their one star left? You know, I, I don't think that's an insignificant thing in, a, in an Oklahoma City market that's never really experienced rebuilding. I mean, the the team came 
as a rebuilding team, but now they're starting over. They've experienced success ever since. I think it's not insignificant thing to say we have to maybe keep this team together as is and okay we may win 50, only 50 games or 45 or even miss the playoffs but I think they're going to win over 50 still they might yeah. but I do, you know go ahead. I do think that if they do that they're, they're setting a precedent to now be a mediocre basketball team or at least the mindset um, because you know the this team has forever said that we want to go play for championships, and and by doing that, uh, they would be doing the contrary. And like you know, I think we see baseball, we see teams all across the in every sport do that. The Atlanta Braves are a good example. You know, they're like, look, we can't win a championship anymore with this team, even though they were contending for the NL East a couple of years ago, and they just blew it all the way down. The oh, yeah. Chicago Cubs, Theo got there, they blew it all the way down, and now three years later, the Cubs look like you know they're gonna be going on a major run. And the Phillies I think just blew up the team too. Yeah, but the, there's a big yeah. difference between Atlanta, Chicago, and Philadelphia as good baseball markets, and Oklahoma City, which is that's right. We've barely seen them as a rebuilding market, and I think that's not insignificant. I don't think the fan base is going anywhere, though, man. I think they're going to be there for the team. I honestly do. But is there any difference between what like what Oklahoma City started as and like what Philly tried to do? Sorry, Philly tried to do and failed. Uh, but what Minnesota has tried to do, and they succeeded, and Utah's tried to do it, and they've kind of been in the middle, right? So, uh, I, I, I yeah, but Philadelphia now is stopping their rebuild in part yeah, because nobody just, supported what they were doing. I mean, it just kind of started, unfortunately, due to some organizational differences uh, from the top. But you know, I mean, I, I would say that the process or whatever is sort of just now. We could judge it in a couple of years, but. I, I don't really know where the Sixers are at in the total grand scope of the NBA because I'd say they have more promise than a lot of teams that you're talking about in the you know middle. But like that's not necessarily saying much because the <laughs> high what now, middle <laughs> the, the fucking middle man. I'm sorry, I hate the damn middle man. I just I'm that's just the thing. Saying. The Sixers were the quintessential middle team when they had you know Iguodala and they got they were the eight seed and Rose got hurt and then it was like ah oh God false hope here it comes and then they you know made it right. to a game seven against the Celtics. Uh, after a chance to play in the Eastern Conference Finals. And it's like that that right there was like a 41 or a 500 team, I should say. Was that a strike short in season? Uh, lockout, yeah. But lockout, of, course, yeah, yeah. of course, the Sixers never had someone as good as Russell Westbrook. No, no, no. It's totally it's different sort of in that regard. The, the, Agreed. The tricky thing. Um, but yeah, anyway. The last we traded thing- Barkley in his prime right before he won the MVP for a bag of baseballs and some chewing tobacco. <laughs> wow. Is that bag of baseballs not coaches in New York Knicks? I know he does. He's one of them. He's one of the baseballs. Jeff Hunter. Before we wrap up, I think, uh, sorry, I'm taking the hosting wheels a little bit. Go for it. Go for it. I do want to think a little bit about. Right now, man, it's painful. Yeah, you you came back from L.A. to record this podcast. But uh, (laughs) let's think about, I want to talk a little bit about this lost Oklahoma City dynasty. Like, how are you going to remember this Thunder team? Uh, I guess this is a good question to just kind of kick it off open-ended to Eddie about, like, what, in 20 years, how are we going to think about, like, the last six, seven years of Oklahoma City Thunder? Yeah, I I remember thinking once it was bulking up, 
that the 2009 to 2012 Oklahoma City Thunder might have been the coolest team I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and, and just because of the type of talent they had, and they had so much promise, and they were all young, and they all had they all had their own unique style. And, and, and even when Harden left, you know, you had this dynamic duo that still felt like uh, we could they could still do it in spite of everything. They were so it was rebellion. Oklahoma City was rebels on wheels and, uh, and rebels on like hot, hot wheels going down a, a steep uh, driveway. Um, and, and ultimately, it's, it was so much fun, man. Like at any I've always felt this and I, and I think I even said this to Mike before. I think if you said you give me Oklahoma City's A game, you know, everybody talks about their A game or whatever. But if Oklahoma City played their best game. I've always believed that they could beat anybody, including Golden State, including San Antonio, including Cleveland. They could beat anybody. And the possibility that you were going to see something incredible and epic uh, was awesome. Um, and you got that treat to have that at any time. And the reality is now, and what's really sad, is that Presti did everything he could organically to build this team. And he drafted, if you look at the state of the league now, he drafted three of the ten best players in the league. And now we're looking at 2017, and they might all be gone. And that feels that feels really bad. Um, uh, and that's what really sucks. And part of that uh, was where the market's coming to play, though, too. If, if that exact same scenario played out in New York or Los Angeles, they would have just, or New, Brooklyn, they would have just spent the luxury tax a long time ago and they never would have thought about getting rid of Harden. Yeah, see, that, that's the thing that kills me is that this felt preventable. Yeah, and this it wasn't. There are two two elements. One is exactly what Eddie talked about, which is that stylistically, this team was sort of raw force. You know, it, it if if it had a flaw, it was that it was not complicated enough. They just were very direct. They're sort of like a soccer team that lifted long balls successfully, sort of like those old Brazil teams. Mm. You know, they just they didn't had didn't wasn't sophisticated. They just were attacked you right off the bat. The other thing though is just that it was sort of taken from us. You know, the James Harden trade didn't have to happen. The, uh, you know, obviously the injuries didn't have to happen, and that was really unfortunate. And, you know, there's sort of some weird cap stuff that happened that conspired against the Thunder. I think it's unfair to say that the small market problem ruined them, but they got a little... I wonder if Durant's sort of Rose Rule situation got resolved sooner. Maybe they keep Harden, and maybe things change, you know? Yeah. So uh, it just feels like... It was a team. And see, so you look at someone. The obvious comparison is a team like the '90s Magic, right, with Penny and Shaq. Sure. And there, it felt like the the difference is that that team was broken up because the two stars couldn't coexist. They were too small for one market, and Shaq wanted to leave. And the Magic, you know, you said like Pressy did everything he could. I'm not sure I would agree with that totally. The the Magic, I thought. They did everything they could, and Shaq just left because Dude. they couldn't coexist. In Oklahoma did, City's case, wait, did you watch the, that that thirty for thirty on the Magic, Mike? I saw the, parts of it, but I thought they I thought they didn't do everything they should. I thought they, they lowballed Shaq. Yeah, they, well, they tried okay. to yeah, right, right, Lonzo right. morning got a buck twenty, and he was yeah, like, "Wait, okay, a okay." So, well, you're right, but but I the build I up and sort of the building down. the team, it fell apart because two stars couldn't coexist, and they left. In this mm-hmm. case, I felt like the stars, while stylistically they were weird fits, they they enjoyed each other. Yeah, real friends, real they, friends. 
chemistry-wise, they would have gotten along. I mean, I guess we'll see. I don't know if Harden really yearned for his bigger role. Who knows? But certainly off the court, Kitty and Russ got along. There's some whispers now that on the court it was awkward. It, it wasn't the best on-court fit. I don't think that's what caused it. What, what broke this team up was the luxury tax. Yeah, and that's really unfortunate. That's tough for me to take, and it it's tough for me to take because I I don't think we can, you know. Obviously, we don't know Sam Presti's mandate was based on ownership. I blame ownership for the James Harden trade. I blame a lot of things. I think this was sort of a self inflicted wound in a lot of cases, and that's what sucks about it. Honestly, man, it's kind yeah. of like a sad way to end it, but it's, pr- it's probably true. I mean that that. The luxury tax is something that is, it is definitely different pertaining to which team and what market you are in. Um, well, also the new smart, CBA, so the new CBA yes. as well. But you know, they could have paid it. They they would have made it back. I think it's, it, it's it's really it's really interesting though that you know the luxury tax. Look, the luxury tax is there to prohibit pre- prevent. Uh, you know, was meant to you know try to make it better for all the other teams, and they you know get to spread that spending around, and you know it's there to deter people from uh, doing things like stocking up talent and paying for whatever. And the CBA really, you know, that it it, it hindered OKC's internal organic growth. Um, and I think the funny thing is, if Oklahoma City was Miami with Miami's ownership and they had experienced ownership. Um, you know, they had young ownership, they had a young GM, and they had a young team. And I think that's what also made it very complicated because I don't think they understood the ramifications of, man, maybe, you know, we should bite the bullet. Uh, and, and, and that's what made it tough. Like, you, I, they'll never do it again. Um, I, I guarantee <laughs> they won't ever do it again if they have to make that type of choice. But, you know, it, it, got, it got really tough for them. So it's, it's, it's hard to, you know, my, you know, my Uncle Bill would always say, you know, you know, keep your hands out of other people's pocket. Don't try to spend their money for them. You know, we 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 thought that they were going to be willing to pay the tax anyway. But you know, even Durant. The funny thing is, Durant was like scoffing at Harden after the fact. He said, "This is all over five mil. You left because of five mil." Like even Durant looked at Harden's situation. Like, man, yeah. you know, how dare you leave us when we're trying to build something great for you to get an extra five million dollars? So. uh you know that's that's the funny thing about how that happened in 2012, and then now what we're seeing in 2016, and what might happen in 2017, and it, and it's sad. Uh, but you know, once again, I, I promise I'm trying to not cry too many tears into my tequila <laughs> and try to keep my head up and be appreciative of everything that's happened um, with OKC in the last uh, eight seasons. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's tough. Now the other thing I'm going to miss so much. And I did. This is another example of something I didn't appreciate until it was done. Is just the KD Rust dynamic. Mm-hmm. On court, I thought Schultz had a, described it so well in his GQ piece, which you guys should all read. Where they always felt like they were on the brink of either an amazing breakthrough or complete disaster. And you think about just how different the two people are in their on court sensibilities, and we never got either really. And I, I now that. It's gone. We don't know what the possibility is. We don't have that mo- eureka moment. In fact, I would argue they got closest this year. Just their yeah. on-court dynamic. And this was never their best team. Be- well, I would say this was their best Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook yeah. kind of yes, yes, synergy. Yes. I wouldn't call it their best team. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. I think it's – you could. I, I know what you mean with the, the team in the lost in the NBA Finals, but I – I'm not sure this wasn't a better overall team. I mean, Steven Adams is an interesting piece. I think we're – 
who's going to be a lot better next season. The reason why I think they're going to win like 50, if Russ stays, like 55 games next year still. Wow. And really? I think they're gonna be, yeah, I think they're going to be really good still, man. Hmm. I, I don't know. I, I, I think Oladipo and, uh, and, Adams as supporting kind of as like Russ's two three, um, aren't that is not that that bad. And I think Oladipo and, and Russ uh, could potentially be incredibly dynamic together. Do do we think this OKC team now with Durant leaving is better than Portland and what Portland had to build after losing their players? I understand yeah. Portland lost four players. Sure, but Portland lost four starters, and then they made it as a five seed. Um, you know, do we think they're better than Portland? I say they got a chance to be better than Portland for sure. Yeah, I do. They might be. Uh, yeah. Of course, those four starters are not Kevin Durant. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I worry about. I mean, shooting is going to be a big issue for the Thunder. They they just don't have very much of it. Uh, that's that's going to be a big question. But I just I'm going to miss the. The year every year you kind of hope that the KD Russ thing one thousand percent clicks and we never got a chance to see it. Yeah, I think, and that that's unfortunate. That was yeah. enthralling uh, to watch, and it's it's now you kind of clicking Durant into something that you know they're going to be growing pains, but that thing should work intellectually. What was so interesting about Russ and KD is just that it shouldn't have worked, and yet they made an uneasy truce constantly better, and they. I think I would say, like I said, this team was not as good, I don't think, as even the team the year after they traded Harden, I don't think. But the KD Rust dynamic was better than ever on the court. And it would have been yeah. great to see that continue to grow. Hey, Mike, uh, you remember uh, a couple years ago for SB Nation, I wrote an article comparing every member of the Thunder to uh, Dragon Ball Z characters. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> um, I, I definitely endeared myself to certain people at SB Nation for writing that article. But one of the things I did, I said, look, man, KD is Goku and, and uh, Russell Westbrook is Vegeta. And, of course, uh, after they fought at uh, at each other's necks, they eventually ended up working together. And, like, those two are so opposite. Uh, but they ended up, you know, figuring out a way to make it work as as they tried to uh, g- uh, get all the Dragon Balls. Anyway, I'm going way too deep into Dragon Ball Z, but that's always what it felt like to I, me. I caught like three or four of those words that you said there. Yeah, you, you never know, watched Dragon Ball Z? No, man, not not oh, once man. in my life. My brother loves it. I don't think he listens to my podcast because well, he, he likes Dragon Ball Z and I like sports. But you're a hybrid, right there, man. Both of you yeah, guys, apparently. You'll, you'll get him to buy into this podcast now. Just tell him that we're going to be talking about <laughs> spirit bombs and Kamehamehas and, <laughs> and, 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 and and things like that, and you'll be good to go. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> he just has to listen to what, like, forty-five minutes of basketball talk right? to get there. But if, he, if he sticks around, percentage-wise, get... that's not that bad. Uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, I, I couldn't agree more with the uh, the that dynamic of like, it shouldn't have made sense, but did. And I think part of that's like there's a, a philosophical uh, dude. I, think, I believe it was Kierkegaard. One of the philosophers said that when someone stands at the cliff and they can look down and see their peril, that there is this little piece of them that thinks about jumping for the experience. And it's like that's kind of what Oklahoma City's thunder. Uh, Oklahoma State Thunder really were. They were like at that exact edge of being both exactly what you said there, the the perfect amount of amazingness, and then ultimately it would tip itself over. Uh, unfortunately, each time at the end into that 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 failure mechanism where it just completely blew up, and it felt it felt like they were taking that that leap of peril just to see how it felt. Um, and that's unfortunate because I'm a huge Thunder fan, and now now I'm probably just going to resort back to being my good old Sixers fan. For the so next- much tequila. 
Hey, I'll tell you what, man. Drink that tequila and then start watching some Sixers with me. You can you can borrow my team for the next five years. God, no. Stop. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you, can, you can come on the podcast. We'll talk about Sixers once a week with Mike. He'll love it. Well, ben, only, if they, is only if they wear the 93 Sixers jerseys uh, <laughs> then I'll consider yeah. <laughs> what was that about Ben Simmons he threw some nice passes the other night I won't lie he's got some court vision and the, the game looks nice and open for him that's like after watching two and a half quarters of summer league ball for the first game but it, it looks like a, a, space, a spacious game of the NBA is going to suit him well oh boy oh big boy there but uh Cool. This was a lot of fun. Eddie, thank you for, for joining us here, man. Like, uh, you'll probably have to come on and we'll see how this all plays out if Russ does leave or if this goes into the season and they're like a 55-win team, like exactly like we predicted here. Um, we'll have to get you on at some other point, man. It's a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on. Hey, I'm, I'm always, I always feel like I'm part of the SB Nation family and, and, and props to Mike being the, one of the best editors I've ever had. Um, he, he did a lot of great work to help me get to be the writer that I am, so I'm forever appreciative. Well, thank you for all your hard work and keep up the great work at the Sports Fan Journal and Yard Barker. That is Eddie Masonette. Thank him for coming on to talk out his uh, KD frustrations and lamentations. Uh, <laughs> you, should, uh, you should find us on iTunes. We're the Limited Upside Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter, on we on SoundCloud, on Stitcher. Uh, I'll be going out to the Las Vegas Summer League this week, and hopefully we'll be able to do some shows from the road. Uh, but we will see, and we will, I think, <laughs> continuing throughout the off offseason. Uh, that's our hope. Uh, and that's pretty much where you can find us. You can also find Eddie on Twitter at you are at Ed the Sports Fan. yes? That is correct. And you can find Ben at EpiBen, and I'm at Mike Prada, spelled like the Italian company, S-B-N. <laughs> Till next time, I guess, Limited Upside Podcast. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>